Hello everybody and welcome to episode 3 of Beyond the Closed Door. I'm your host Ryan and today we have one of the more interesting cases I've ever covered. One, probably one of the more depressing and graphic cases I've ever covered. That is the case of the New England Vampire Panic and more specifically the Mercy Brown incident among other cases. Now if you have no idea what that is, hang tight. I'm about to get into that but before we do I just want to say thank you guys for giving this a listen. I really appreciate it. I love 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 doing this. I know I say that every time but I just want to re reiterate. I hope it doesn't come off as any less genuine now as it did the very first time. I love doing this and I thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to. And without any further ado, let's get into it. The amount of death that comes with today's story is actually kind of frightening. More than 2% of the New England population died from a very specific disease that even today still kind of ravages the world, especially with what's happened this last year. It is a very touching topic. While way before COVID, from 1786 to 1892, people suffered from a disease then known as consumption. Consumption symptoms included a bloody cough, a high fever, severe weight loss, with a very, very pale and gray skin tone to those that lived long enough. What really stood out to people was the absolute slowness of their deaths, with many losing faith in that time's medicines due to their odd treatments such as eating well, resting with lots of outdoor exercises. I can only imagine looking out your front window and seeing your neighbor doing jumping jacks while they cough up blood. Well, many doctors at the time did try to stop what was happening with superstition in the time due to paranoia and fear. Little did anyone know the terror that was to ensue, as many started to believe that vampires were killing their family members. Now, how this would work, because that seems like it's out of left field, which it kind of was. I mean... Superstitions of vampires date back well before the United States was ever a thing, but it does seem random that from 1786 to 1892 people were just like, oh, my family's dying due to vampires, but nonetheless, you have to understand what people thought about vampires or thought vampires were relative to today. Today we see vampires as more of a Hollywood fashion. You have your pale skin, you have the red eyes and the fangs. They only come out at night, and they suck your blood. And then after your blood has been sucked, you just revive and become a vampire yourself, cursed to forever walk this earth with superpowers and drinking the blood of other people. But back then, that was not so. Vampires were seen as these evil, demonic, energy-sucking demons that would rise out of graves at night and slowly kill off one by one family members or whoever. So the way they saw it, one of the original deceased family members due to consumption was a vampire. So those that remain, so say you have a family of nine, right? Because that, that was not uncommon back then. There were a lot of high-numbered families. Say that two or three died and there are six left. And slowly but surely, one or two of the six that remain are, are succumbing to consumption. They're slowly losing the weight, they're coughing up blood, their fever, whatever. They might point to one of the three already in the grave and scapegoat them, essentially. They might say, hey, one of you is a vampire. Even after you're dead, you're rising from the grave. And the way that they would prove this is that they would dig up the bodies, open them up, and see what was inside. One of which 
was Frederick Ransom. Now, Frederick is one of the three stories we're going to cover today, and I just like him, so we're going to start with him. Frederick was a Dartmouth college student in the early 1800s. He came from a well-to-do family, one that you wouldn't suspect would succumb to the superstition, but when you live in a time that they did, anything is possible. Frederick would die of consumption February 14, 1817, about halfway through his studies, he was 20 years old. Shortly after his death, Frederick's mother, sister, and two brothers were also sick. Fearing the worst, and honestly having no idea what was happening, Frederick's dad agreed to have Frederick's body exhumed and opened up to see what was happening. After he was exhumed, and I guess that they dubbed him a vampire due to the level of, of whatever, I don't know the exact time after death that he was exhumed, but whatever. They dug out Frederick's heart, burned it in a blacksmith's forge, surrounded by a large crowd, hoping to save the rest of the Ransom family. Sadly, those remaining family members that were sick of the Ransom family would die. Annie Dinette was also a young woman living in the New, New England area, specifically from New Hampshire. While the year she died wasn't exactly well known, what we do know is that in September of 1810, she was also exhumed. Her father and the rest of her family were fading very fast, and her mother was desperate. She gave the okay to a couple of local farmers and a traveling Baptist minister by the name of Enoch Hayes Place to dig up the body and to hopefully put a stop to the carnage. Minister Place would describe the scene, stating, They opened the grave, and it was a solemn sight. A young brother by the name of Adams examined the moldy spectacle, but found nothing as they supposed they should. There was but a little left except bones. Due to the lack of anything to burn, the plans of the Danette family were thwarted. Annie's body was not disturbed in any fashion after this. She was reburied. Annie's father would die a short time later. While these may seem bad, those two are just tiny, tiny spectacles in relation to the last New England vampire known as Mercy Brown. She is the most infamous case. Some of you may have heard, may have heard of her. But today we're going to go over her story. Born August 2nd, 1872 to George and Mary Brown in Exeter, Rhode Island. Mercy had an interesting childhood, to say the least. She grew up, at the, while yes, at the tail end of the vampire panic, surrounded by death. Living in the New England era during this time period was not easy. Case in point, by the age of nine, so 1883, Mercy's mother would die to consumption. Between 1884 and 86, depending on the source, her oldest sister, Mary Olive, would also die following her mother. While Mercy had, had three other siblings and her father, it wouldn't take long before the worst would ensue. Mercy herself and her older, oldest brother Edwin would also fall sick. Edwin, in an attempt to try to relieve and cure his illness, he would travel to Colorado thinking that the change in elevation, the change in scenery, the atmosphere would hopefully help his body to heal. Sadly, he would return to his home in Rhode Island in even worse shape than when he had left. Eventually, January 17, 1892, Mercy would pass away. While George, her father, didn't really believe in the superstition, he wanted to do anything to save his oldest son. So with pressure from the town and religious figures in the surrounding area, three months to the day after Mercy's death, so on March 17, 1892, Mercy, 
her mother and her oldest sister, Mary, were to be exhumed, hopefully laying to rest the superstition and proving wrong this horrible, horrible practice that had been proven wrong multiple times. You'd think at some point, after all these deaths, that maybe one would say, hmm, you know, the doctors say this isn't true, and every time we do this, people still die. Maybe this is wrong. But no, people still did it. I understand paranoia, but reason did not overcome this time. So shockingly, when they opened her grave and they looked at Mercy's body, she hadn't decayed enough for the townspeople. Doctors of the time tried to say that this was normal. He died in January. It was March. The ground was still cold. It was in the middle of the winter. This is normal. This is not abnormal. Regardless, the townspeople opened Mary's chest, pulled out her heart, to which it still had blood. To the townspeople, it was now undeniable. Mercy was a vampire, and she was leeching off the rest of her family. They were not done pulling parts out of her, though. After her heart came her liver. Just like Frederick Ransom, they would burn the heart and the liver into a fine powder, to which they mixed it with water and placed it in a tonic for Edwin to drink. Supposedly after drinking, the vampire that was consuming him would die, and he would gain all of the, all of the energy that he had lost back, supposedly saving his life. Shockingly, Edwin would die a few months later, May 2nd, 1892. Today, consumption is known as tuberculosis. According to The Who, in 2019, 1.4 million people died from TB all over the world, with more than 10 million people falling ill in the same year. I think, I know today's story was kind of quick, but I think the biggest point that has to be made is the time frame that this happened. The United States and Great Britain had once again gone to war in the War of 1812. America once again, well, shouldn't say prove their independence because the White House was burned down, but you get the point. Then fast forward 50 years, and then all of a sudden you have the Civil War, which also brought in a bunch of technological advances, but more importantly, freedom was won yet again. But what is so scary about this whole thing, in my opinion, is that in terms of relativity to the remainder of to all of time, this happened a short time ago. Not only were people dying of one of the most infectious diseases known to man to date, I think on, on The Who it said that it is top 10 of all time, one of the deadliest diseases ever, but also we were desecrating bodies, digging up graves, burning body parts, and feeding them to sick people in order to try to heal them. Now granted, they're medical advice was flawed but that was the time things very quickly after that progressed once again the germ theory was found industrial revolution hit but to me it is insane to think that this happened in a time period that is so close to our own especially with what we've gone through this last year and a half especially with the fact that we battled covid for as long as we have now and now that there's a delta variant i think it is important to look back and to see what Almost like a what-if scenario. If we didn't have the medicine that we had today, if we didn't have the technology we didn't have today, if we didn't have the connectivity through social media that we had today, what might have happened? If we didn't get the constant updates and the constant numbers, maybe we start doing things that may seem below us. What fear does to people 
is almost indescribable. You look at war, you look at famines, and you look at illness, and people start, I almost want to say, backtracking. We become almost less human to the point that we can look at another human being, dead or alive, and we say, we, we must do what we must do in order to survive. Just take a moment, sit, and think. But most importantly, wonder. Do you have a breaking point? Where's your cliff? How much fear do you have to take in order to dig up a body, open it up, and if it has blood in its heart or liver, would you be willing to burn it to ashes and drink it down to maybe save yourself? I'm Ryan, and this has been Beyond the Closed Door. I want to thank you all for listening so much. I love doing this. I know I say that every single time. You guys are probably getting sick of hearing me say it, but I'm never going to stop saying it because this is just so much fun to do. I can't wait to hop into another one. I, I know that the uploads are very spaced out, but I work, I have college, I'm in, I am in school, so hopefully I can do this a little more often. I want to try to make this bi-monthly instead of just one a month. But regardless, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for doing whatever. See you next time.